0: There's a story about a, a boy in ancient Greece. Uh, he's, uh, he's part of a family of fishermen. His name's Alexius, and his day starts the same way every day. He wakes up hearing his uncle yelling out on the balcony of their house, yelling, Hela, Helios, Handos, lampsi." Sehola ta psaria. It means, "Come, sun, rise and shine on all the fish." Each morning for him, it's his alarm clock. Alexios wakes up to the booming sound of his uncle. Hella helios, handos kai lampsi sehola ta psaria it reminds him that a new day is coming and in moments the sun will rise up over the horizon and that he's going to head out onto a boat with his uncle, with his dad and other family members. And that they'd have a day full of fishing and come back in the evening with what they caught, ready to offer some for dinner and to sell at the market. This pattern for his life was persistent enough that he knew he could count on it every morning, every day. But one day when he didn't go out on the boat with his family, he waited for them to return. And as the afternoon grew to the evening, his family became worried because a storm had passed through in the bay. No one knew if the family that was out on the boat was going to make it back. And Alexios had growing fear in his own heart. As evening turned to night, he became more panicked. And the the family was concerned as well. They were distraught, concerned that they had lost beloved members of their community. But Alexios... He was inconsolable. He stayed up all evening. He stayed up into the the early hours of the morning and he could not sleep crying loudly, his mother unable to comfort him at all. They were sure that if his uncle was truly lost, if his dad was truly gone, that maybe he never would be comforted. But as morning began and the sun came up over the horizon, Alexius stopped, stared in the distance, surprised with wonder. See, up till that moment, Alexius had believed that it was his uncle who caused the sun to rise every morning and that if he were gone, he'd never see the sun again. Our circumstances, whether they're tragedy or joy, they often feel uh, personal uh, in the sense that we might be able to do something, something to create our circumstances or stop those circumstances. The truth of the matter is that our choices, yeah, they have consequences, I mean, they really do matter. Our choices change our experiences. That's why we have phrases like practice makes perfect or, or that you reap what you sow. Your behavior does change certain outcomes, but there are some really serious limitations as well. For instance, uh, if you are someone who's graduated from college, that takes a lot of work. You have to commit yourself for a period of time, show up, do the work, Turn in your papers, pass your tests, show up for the ceremony if you want to have those pictures taken. And without all that effort, it obviously couldn't have happened. But that's not everything. I mean, you didn't build the facilities, right? I mean, you didn't educate the professors who taught you. You certainly didn't establish the foundations of higher education in medieval Europe that eventually led to modern-day universities. In reality, the the actions of uh, millions of other humans, those actions have set up a possibility for you to be able to put in the work, to be able to put in the energy, to be able to actually have the experiences you had so that you could get that degree. Now, I'm not, I'm not disparaging, like, the work and, and the commitment that it takes to create a really good life, but I think, I think it's important for us not to forget just how much, how, just how much of your life is actually completely out of your control, Your cancer risk. Well, that is really more dependent on your choices than anything else. Uh, but not completely. The same is true with heart disease or diabetes or, or alcoholism. See, you could work all of your life at being the healthiest you can possibly be, but you could still get cancer. Because You didn't choose your genetics. You didn't have any say in who your parents would be, or your grandparents, or what the environment of the world was going to be around you. It's real easy to find ourselves thinking like Alexius, believing that we control so many things in our universe. But In reality, most of our experiences, whether good or bad, They really involve countless other factors from from other people, including those who happen to be long dead. They include factors uh, from nature and, of course, God. You can spend your whole life angry about your circumstances or even patting yourself on the back for your accomplishments, but neither are truly helpful in part because neither are truly accurate. You are responsible for some of them. And you are just part of the flow of things that are much bigger than you as well. There was a letter written by uh, Paul, an early Christian leader, uh, to, some, to some people he was teaching in Philippi. And in this letter, uh, Paul, w- which was read earlier, Paul is... Uh, He's writing about his current circumstances and how difficult they are, how troubled he is right now, because right now he's headed for sentencing in Rome for his missionary work. He has to go on trial to see whether or not they're going to lock him up, maybe for the rest of his life, or even have him killed by the state. Uh, This letter, though, while he's describing this, has a growing sense of optimism and encouragement. Paul's actually thankful for his previous imprisonment, which wasn't that long ago. He says he's thankful for it because he got to advance the gospel. He also says he's thankful for his next imprisonment or sentencing, whatever it may be, even if that means death, because it means that he's been faithful. He has this sense that if he lives, great, he gets to continue doing his work. But if he dies, great, he gets to be closer to God. Throughout this letter, he offers encouragement to the Philippians to find joy not in any circumstances, but in Jesus. And this, this isn't just a cliche for Paul. He really means it. He's placed his true joy somewhere other than his circumstances whether they're good or bad. Now the question for me when I read that is how does he do this? How is he how is it possible to be so focused in that way to find his joy somewhere else that when things go as bad as they did for Paul he's able to sincerely say that he counts these things for joy for good and that if they go bad he'll be happy and if they go well he'll be happy. Well, I think the focus, at least the way that Paul seems to point to, is not feeling like he needs to control the uncontrollable. Instead, he's focused on how he's responding to the world around him. See, the greatest amount of control that you have is not in what happens to you or really anyone else, but in how you respond to the circumstances in which you find yourself, even in the circumstances that you have helped create. By the end of the letter, Paul offers this specific encouragement. He says, from now on, brothers and sisters, if anything is excellent, if anything is admirable, focus your thoughts on these things. All that is true, all that is holy, and all that is just, all that is pure, all that is lovely and all that is worthy of praise. Now, I decided in order for you to remember this phrase, all of the ideas here that you want to hold together, I'll tell you we're calling this the PJ Law. True, holy, excellent, pure, just, lovely, admirable, worthy of praise— Each of those letters spells out the P.J. Law together. So what does it mean to embrace the P.J. Law? Well, first, it means focusing intently your thoughts on these ideas. And this is not magic. This is no no mantra that suddenly by saying this, you change your circumstances. It's not that at all. Instead, it's a training exercise for having a spirit that actually sees circumstances differently. See, the most powerful motivators for humans are actually anger and bitterness, greed, and hate. These, uh, these are supplied in great quantity in our world. You can get as much of it as you want, and they are highly motivating to get people to respond and act. And if people can move your mind... From the PJ law to those ways of thinking, they can change how you see others and eventually how you treat others at every level. And in the end, they can change flatly how you interact with the entire world so that your circumstances become the one thing that dictates how you feel. Now, right now, we're being asked to be angry, it seems, all the time and to be hateful to those who think differently than us. Now, cultivating these emotions is actually harming us. There's a better way. See, following the PJ law means working to see each other in the way that Jesus sees us. It means finding different ways for engaging with others who disagree, even when we think they are wrong in terrible ways. Because, It's about reframing your mind and your spirit to stop defining others by the worst things about them and instead seeing them as God does. In doing so, we're able to see our circumstances, which involve countless people, whether good or bad, in completely different ways. We control a lot about who we are. That's true. Our actions do have consequences, and those actions and consequences do shape our lives. But we didn't make ourselves. The spiritual breath that gives us true life, that comes only from God. Our truest selves, those are made in God's image. And we didn't create that. And we can't remove that. At the core of every person is a soul shaped by God. Following the PJ law can help remind you of that truth and help you see people and your circumstances through the eyes of Jesus. See, in the story of Alexius, the fear and that sadness that he had was not just the thought, of course, losing his uncle and father and family, but the thought that the son was gone. And not just for him, but for Everyone. The beauty of the story is, though, that even though there was tragedy and the circumstances were beyond Alexios' control, in the end, the sun still rose. The beauty and possibilities of this world, they are not ultimately under our control. But if we engage what Paul says here, the PJ, the PJ law here. if we engage this truly, connecting our spirits, our minds, our souls to that of Christ. Well, even though the beauties of the world may not be under our control, we can participate in them. We just have to train ourselves. We train our eyes. We train our minds. We train our spirits so that we can see them.